All right, good luck. Let's get going. Today's daf is daf page tes, page eighty nine in the Hilige Meseches Nedovim. All right, we're going to go back to the bottom of Pecha Samad Beis, three lines from the bottom, and we are going to restart the Mishnah. Pecha Samad Beis, three lines from the bottom. We're going back. We're going to do a Chazor. Very yeah, we got very basic eighty-eight B. Very basic uh, Chazara. This Mishnah is some halachas that we're already familiar with, but we're going to delve a little bit deeper into the sugya. Here we go. First, we're going to begin by quoting a pasuk. The pasuk says, "V'neider amana ugruja." If a single woman makes a vow, she's widowed, she's divorcee. Okay, just an example: a woman who doesn't have a husband to remove her vow. There's no vow removal over here. It remains with her. Kaitzad. For example, what? Zokta Mishnah. Amra, if a woman says, Hareini Nazira. Listen to this, it's beauty. She says, I'm accepting myself Nazirus, but it's starting in 30 days. So she's a single woman. She wants her Nazirus to start in a month. Now, what happens is, she gets married 15 days later. So she gets married prior to her Nazirus being effective. Even if she marries within 30 days, the new husband cannot be made for her nether. Ah, the Naziris is starting prior to their marriage. I'm sorry, the Naziris is starting once they're already married. Because he got married to her 15 days later and her <clears throat> nether is first becoming effective after the marriage. Doesn't make a difference. Seems from the Mishnah that it goes by at the time that you made the vow. Since at the time she made the vow, she was single. There's no removing the vow. Okay. On a similar theme, if, uh, if she makes a vow, and she has a husband, the husband could remove it. That seems to be pretty straightforward. We knew that. What unique case, what's the Chiddush, what's the unique case are we dealing with? Says the Mishnah Ketzad, for example, what? Amra. A woman says, I want my Naziris to, to uh, start in 30 days. And she has a husband, so. Even if the marriage ends within 30 days, I raise a muffer. The husband removed the vow. So what happened is like this. A woman makes a vow. She says, I'm starting my Naziris in 30 days. Her husband says, oh no, you're not. And then he dies. 10 days later, the Allah is, we don't say, listen, when you hit the 30th day, you didn't have a husband, so you got to keep the nether. No, nishta zay. The Allah is, the vow is removed. Okay? So again, you see from here, that it goes by when you make the nether, was it removable? If it wasn't removable at the time of nether, the Allah is, you cannot remove the vow later. If it was removable at the time of nether, the Allah is, you may keep, the, then it could be removed. Okay, last case, the Mishnah, if a woman makes a nether, we'll call it Sunday morning, and she was married. They get divorced at 11 o'clock on Sunday. And then what happens? They change their mind. 1 p.m., they're married again. The husband who's in his... Same woman, but a new marriage with her cannot remove the vow. Here's the rule. As long as if there was ever a moment within the vow where nobody had the rights to remove it, that vow is not removable no matter what. Okay. 
Zog the Gemara to explain the Mishra Tanya Milelt in the Brisa. Amona Grusha Shamra are in the zero. The Kishen Nasei. If you have a single woman who says, as soon as I accept Nisuin, I am becoming a Nazira. You hear this? I Hashem, I'm going to be so excited to be Mishtai. You know, I want to connect to you so much. As soon as I get married, I'm becoming a Nazira. Rabbi Shmuel says, as soon as she gets married, her husband, even though he wasn't her husband at the time she made the vow, can still remove the vow. Rabbi Kiva said, nothing doing. You cannot remove the vow because Rabbi Kiva seems to be consistent with the Mishnah. You go at the time that the vow was actually uttered. Since the time that the vow was uttered, there was no husband, so it cannot be removed. While Rabbi Shmuel seems to not be going in line with the Mishnah. Says the Gemara, listen to this, Visimana Yalili. The way to remember these halachas that we mentioned is Yalili. Yalili is, in one case, Yafer. In one case, Lo Yafer. The next case is Lo Yafer. The next case is Yafer. Yud, Lamed, Lamed, Yud, Yalili. Okay, that's how you remember the halachas if you remember the order of the cases. Now, next case. Eishas Ish, you have a married woman, Shomra. She says, Hareini Nazira. A woman's married. She says, I'm accepting. I'm, I want to become a Nazira. The moment I get divorced. The moment I'm no longer married to my husband, I'm accepting, I'm saying now that whenever that happens, I'm going to become an Azira automatically. And then she gets divorced. Rabbi Shmuel says that the husband at the time of her vow has no right to remove that vow. He can't do it. Because the vow is going to be effective after the marriage. Okay? So Bishmol says, you can't do that. Rabbi Kiva says, no, Yafir, he can remove it, because the Maisa, right now they're married. And again, it goes by the time of marriage. Um, Rabbi Shmuel says, Shtayt and Pasuk, it says in the Pasuk, I'll prove to you that her husband cannot remove a vow. And oh, a wife says, I'm only accepting upon it, I'm only accepting it when I get divorced. V'neid Amonagusha v'gaymer, it's when, a, when a, Amonagusha makes a nether, Yaakum Allah, it stays on her. Actually, a nether, b'shas Amonagusha which means that if it's going to be effective after the marriage, then there's, uh, there's nothing doing. Lay off there. B'kiva Zavar, B'kiva holds, Harei Oimer, it says in the Pasuk, Kol Asher Asra, Al Nafsha, anything she prohibits upon her while she's married, Achei Yisurei Neder B'Shas Amon V'Gerishin, she has to make the utterance at the time of divorce for it to be a problem. If she made the statement at the time of marriage, the husband has a right to remove it. Now, let's take a pause, take a step back, and realize the following. When we learned the Mishnah on the bottom of Pechas Amad Beis and the top of Pechas Amad Aleph, it seems very clear, the Gemara brought two cases, telling us the halacha is, if a woman makes a vow, it depends whether she's married at the time of vow or not, that's going to determine whether the husband can remove the vow. It goes by at the time that you uttered it, the time of your statement. Did you have a husband who has the capability of removing that vow? He can remove it. If at the time that you uttered, the vow, you did not have a husband, it doesn't matter if it's going to be effective once you're married. It doesn't matter. He cannot remove it. Rabbi Shmuel argued. So it seems like Rabbi Akiva is in line with our Mishnah, and Rabbi Shmuel is not. Okay, that's the basic assumption, and that's where the Gemara is going to tackle this a little bit and see, is there a way we could finagle Rabbi Shmuel's approach of, of uh, not being able to remove a vow that was uttered at the time of marriage, if it's going to be effective afterwards, could we finagle him into the Mishnah? So Amar of Chista, Rav Chista says, Masnisin Rabbi Akiva. No. The Mishnah is Rabbi Akiva, it's not Rabbi Shmuel. You cannot finagle Rabbi Shmuel's opinion into our Mishnah. Abaye Amar? Abaye says, Afilu Teme. 
Rebbe Yishmael. Our Mishra can even fit with Rebbe Yishmael, and I'll tell you why. Because there's a difference between a case where she makes it dependent on a specific amount of days. For example, in our Mishra, she says, I'm making a vow, it's going to be effective in 30 days. So that's happening automatically. There's a time period when it's going to be effective. B'chaisa, talya, nafsha, minisum. But the b'raisa, the case of the b'raisa, she makes it dependent on marriage. Okay? And since it's not dependent on a specific amount of time, there's going to be a difference. How so? So he explains. In our case of the Mishnah, let's say she says, I'm making a vow now that I'm becoming a Nazira in 30 days. Guess what? That 30 days is coming whether or not she's divorced. So let's say she says, it's going to be in 30 days if I get divorced. It's coming automatically. And therefore, um, it's, it's, uh, there is a possibility that daytime, is, that, that the 30 days will be up and no divorce will happen. However, it's, uh, the, what's going to happen ultimately in such a case is 30 days will be up. And maybe she's not married. So Mamela, in these two specific situations, that's where we say the only thing we're concerned about is when she actually made the vow. Okay, so Abai is finding a mahalach, he's finding a path, how to finagle Rabbi Shmuel into our mission. Okay, next says the Gemara, Zehaklal, this is the rule. Zehaklal, this is the rule. Tektani Gabinar Marasa, which we learned concerning a Nara Marasa, a young woman who's in the, right, between 12, 12 and 6 months, who's in the first stage of married, Le'isuye, which includes Halacha'av, if the father uh, went along, this was a case that we had earlier in the Masechta, which was, if a chasen sent, if a groom sent uh, people to go escort the bride uh, to his house. Now, what happens when he does that, in essence, he's saying, as soon as she leaves her father's home, I'm taking over those rights. But what if the father walks alongside her? So what if the father is going to be traveling with her, he hasn't yet, so to speak, handed her over to the domain of the husband. And therefore, she's still under the domain of the father when it comes to vows. So, la or if the father himself doesn't go, he sends messengers along. In this case, both the husband and father still both have rights to remove the vow. Now this is the rule that it says about and these are the vows. It includes a case where the father handed her over to the messengers of the husband and the father's not accompanying them. Completely just handed her over. Or the father's shluchim handed over. So again, that the, the father's domain has now been removed. Okay? Now the husband takes on the full responsibilities of her vows and he's not permitted any longer to, uh, to impact her vows that were made prior to their marriage. Period. End of that halacha. Two straightforward halachas. Halachas that we learned earlier. But here the Gemara is paskening it. Le halacha. Okay. Here we go. Next Mishnah. We have a couple more Mishnayas.
On the daf, Amad Beis is quite short. We have a couple of Mishnayis, uh, Mishnayis with some short Gemaras. Here we go. Teisha Narois Nidrehem Kayaman. There's nine young women. Nara here does not need to mean a woman in a state of halachic naris. Nara over here could just mean a young woman. There's nine young women that when they make a vow, kayamin, that vow is confirmed. It stays. Here we go. By Geras, the Saima. You have a young woman who's a by Geras, the Saima, and she's a Yasaima. What does that mean? She's a Yasaima? She was already married, let's say, and the father lost his rights to her. Because the father only has rights until Nisuin. So let's say she was married, full-fledged Nisuin, and then she gets divorced, her husband dies. So she's now a Bagaras, but she's considered a Yasaima, an orphan, as far as the laws of vows are concerned. There's nobody here who can remove her vow. She's not, right? She's a, she's a Bagaras, and the father lost his rights. Nara, if you have a Nara, a woman in the state of Naris, Ubagra the Yasaima, who is a Begaras and also now is a Yasaima Bechaye Ha'af. So what happened was, she's a Nara, she's a Nara Mara, she, she makes a Nether. And now when we find out about the Nether, so we want 24 hours to start, guess what? She's already a Begaras. Okay? Now that she's already a Begaras, the father has no right to remove the vow. So case number one is Bagaris v. Yusayma. Case number two is similar, except she made the vow as a Nara, and they didn't know about it at the time, v. Yusayma, and there's nobody to remove the vow either. Top of Peitesa Madbez. Nara shalai Bagra v. Yusayma. Or you have a Nara who already had a complete marriage. She's not yet in a state of Bagaris, but she's considered already a Yusayma v'chayi ha'av. Bagaris, so we're up to number three. Number four. Bygeras, if you have a Bygeras, her father actually died. Okay? Nara, Bygeras, Nara who became older, Nara Shalai Bagra, Savia. So here as well, there's nobody to remove the vow. Okay? Um, lost the place, I'm sorry. Nara Shemesavia, Umeshemesavia Bagra. You have a Nara whose father died, and then she became Bagaras. Bagaras of Yakayim. Let's see, she's Bagaras and her father's alive. Nara Bagaras, or Nara who became Bagaras, and her father is alive. Okay? So, this we're going to have to explain because if her father's around, what's the issue? What's the issue? She has somebody who was capable of removing a vow. Now, the issue that we, we, we can figure out the answer already. And that is since she's now in a state of Bagrus, the father has no, no longer has any rights to her vows. So even if she's not a Yisayma, she's mamish, everything's normal and, and dandy, but she's an adult. So finished. The father can't get in the way. Rebuda says, If a, if a fellow marries off his daughter who's a Kitana, so she's 10 years old, and she now is in the Su, and Venus Armala in his Garsha, the Chazra Etzloi, Adayin He Naira, and she goes back to live with her parents while she's still a Nara, Rebbe is going to say in that case as well, the father has no rights anymore to remove the vow. Okay? Which means the Erechid here is, she's still a Katana. Previously we were talking about Nara, quasi-adulthood, by Geras, full adulthood. Here's even if she was an absolute uh, Katana, 
the halacha will, according to Rabbi Yehuda, will remain the same. Zakti Gemara, Amr Vino Marav, Zudavei Rabbi Yehuda. You should know it's a singular opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. However, there's three naris whose nedarim are irrevocable. They cannot be removed. By Geres, Yisayma, V'Yisayma B'chayav. By Geres, a woman who's by Geres, Yisayma, a woman who's an orphan, and also a Yisayma B'chayav, who, as we learned the halacha, means that the father, um, the, the father's still alive, but she already entered, the father already gave her over to marriage, so he lost his rights, since he completely lost his rights to her. She's considered Yisayma B'chayav, and uh, therefore her vows are irrevocable as well. Okay, here we go. Last Mishnah for today's da. For now, right smack dab in the middle of Petas, Amud Beis 89b. Zok the Mishnah. Kainam. A woman makes a nether with an expression of a konam. She'eni nehene la'abo la'vicha. She says to her husband, you know what? I'm so angry at our parents. I will never get benefit from my father or your father. Boy, do I hate them. Yeah? So she makes a vow. She's, she's very firm about this. She says, I'm never making a vow. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm making a vow. I will never, ever, ever benefit from, from either of our fathers. Okay? Im, or she says, um, uh, I'm sorry. She says, I'm, when am I not making a vow? Im alpicha. She makes it dependent. She says, I'm not going to gain from them if I ever do anything for you. So she doesn't say that it's going to happen right now. She's making it dependent on an action. Or she says, I'm making this vow. I'm making a vow, she says to her husband, that I will not benefit from you. I'm not going to benefit from you. If I do anything for either of our dads. So again, in case number one, she makes a kainam, she says, I will not get any sort of benefit from our fathers if I do anything for you. And the second case, she says, I will not get any benefit from you if I do anything for, your father, for our fathers. The halacha is, the husband has a right to remove, the, the, to remove this vow. Now, is it inoy nefesh? Remember, there's two types of vows as we learned in the beginning. Of the parak, there's, there's two types of vows that a, that a father slash husband are able to remove. Either vows that are inoy nefesh, or vows that are devarim shabeinoi leveina. Okay, so over here the Mishnah seems to imply that this is going to fall into one of those two categories. Chayra, it seems more than inoy nefesh. It's going to it's going to um, at least in the first case, it's going to be a davar shabeinoi leveina when she refuses when she says I'm not going to get. Benefit from our parents, from our fathers, it's going to fall under that category. Zakti Gemara Tanya, we learned in Abraham, a woman says that I will not get any benefit from our fathers if I do anything for you. The case of our Mishnah, you cannot remove a vow. Okay, that vow cannot be removed. However, you could. Now I want to pause for a moment and explain outside this machlekes. What's happening is as follows. You have a woman here who wants to make a vow that's going to get in the way, somehow get in the way of their relationship. But she says, I'm not going to benefit from our fathers 
if I do something, let me ask you a question. Is the nether in place? Is she forbidden to benefit from the fathers? No. Because she made it dependent on an action. In other words, the nether never fell into place yet. It's waiting in the bullpen to come in if needed. But Lemaisa, what did she say? I'm not going to benefit from our parents if I do. So we didn't do anything. So there's no nether yet. Until the condition is met, the nether is not in place. So the question is, could a husband be made for a nether that's not here? No. Why not? All the, all the are like that. Why? Why is all the like that? I'm making a vow I will not touch meat. All the are, you make a nether, and then it's, at some point you might do something, you, may, you, you might, might promise not to do something. All the dharma like that. Can I, so the question here is, what we need to get into the kishkas over here is, not all the dharma are like that, but if you have a nether that's dependent on a condition, does the ability to remove the nether start once the condition is met? Because once the condition is met, now the nether is chal, so my 24-hour revocable period should start now. Or do we say, no. That it's at the time that she actually uttered it. That that uh, the vow is already revocable. Well, you, you have to just say at the time when she uttered, uttered it because because you never know when she's going to. It's not a vow, but it's not a vow yet. She never forbade it. One second, pause, pause, pause. A husband and her father could only remove a vow that's either in a nefesh or benoylevenah if it's not effective yet. Is it Inuy Nefesh or Dvar? No, but that's why I'm saying, that's why I said before, the, the nether is effective when you make when you make the vow. Uh, you didn't... What if it's conditional? Here we're dealing with a conditional vow. Or the father-in-law didn't give her anything? Can a pending vow be removed or do I need to wait for it to actually become a vow? That's the Machlaikas. Rav Nassim says you cannot remove it till it's actually a vow. The Chum say, yes, you can. The Chum say you absolutely could remove a vow because it's, the, the condition is easily met. That's the Machlaikas. Now, says the Gemara, Netula ani mina Yehudim, if she says to her husband, I am forbidden to ever get benefit or be in a relationship with a Jew, if we have our own uh, relationship. So she's saying like this to her husband, if we ever consummate our marriage or we ever act together like a husband and wife, then I'm forbidding myself to ever marry another Jew. Reb Nassim says, Even in such a case, you're able to remove it. So it's, a, it's a same achlikas, just, uh, just with a different case. Okay, now the daf ends off. With a uh, with a uh, short little story over here, Hahu <laughs> Gavra, there was a fella, the Itzar Haniyosa, the Alma Alei, Inosiv Itza Kiloi Tanini Hochasa. Listen to this. There was a guy who said, "I will never get pleasure from anything or any person in the world. 
I'm forbidding myself to get any sort of benefit or pleasure from any person if I get married before learning the, the Mepharshim here say Mishnayis. Here he says Halacha, the Mepharshim explained he's talking about Mishnayis. Which means like this, you know, people set, people set uh, uh, achievable goals for themselves. So this guy wanted that before he ever gets married, he wanted to, let's say, finish us. So he says, if I, that's how he sets himself up. If I ever get married before finishing Shas, then I'm forbidden to benefit from anybody alive in the world. He's setting standards for himself. I gotta make sure I'm a Talmud Chacham first. Okay. Rahit begapa vitovlaya vloy imtsi lemisna. He tried so hard to learn Torah, but he couldn't ultimately be successful. So now we have a problem. You have a guy who's obsessed and made a vow with finishing Shas before he gets married. He says, I need to finish Shas before I'm married. And it turns out he's not, he push it. He doesn't have the achilas. Every time he tries, there's something else that comes up. He's not finishing Shas. So now what's the problem if he's not finishing Shas? He can't get married either. Because the moment he gets married, he's also to benefit from every single person in the world. And you, you simply can't live like that. Also of Achabaravuna v'shabshei Ve'insiv itza. So Rav Achabaravuna came ve'ashabshei. Okay? And he tricked him. He tricked him. Why? Because he, um, he, uh, he felt that there was a mitzvah for him to be married. Ve'insiv itza. And he got married. Okay? He, after he got tricked, he had a chasna. Now what's the problem once he has the chasna? What's the issue? Can't benefit from anybody. So what are you supposed to do? So Visarke Tina, the Ravacha who tricked him, Visarke Tina, Rashi says, Tach Panov Betit, he wiped plaster on this guy's face so Rav Chista wouldn't recognize him. And he brought him in front of Rav Chista. Now what, what um, Ravacha wanted is that this guy should get married, and now once you're married, we'll take you to a rabbi, and the rabbi will find the Pesach, will find an opening to remove a vow. But this is such a beautiful Gemara, by the way, because you have people who are so, you, you get locked into a certain Mahalach, you get locked into a certain approach, and you don't realize that it's the wrong thing. You might be, be righteous and like in the wrong way. This is not the perfect example, but I remember there's a Misa with Reb Chaim Epstein, Chaim Epstein was one of the big reshivas in New York recently. And, and uh, I have my little... Uh, there's a few Talmudim of Chaim Epstein. Listen to this, a beautiful Misa. They were traveling in the winter to a friend's chasna in Baltimore, from New York to Baltimore. And they got stuck in a snowstorm. And there was a lot of traffic on the 95. And um, they realized that they're, you know, there's a lot of traffic. They realized they're barely going to make it. They're ba- they realized they're barely going to make it. Yeah, I need this. They're barely going to make it uh, on time for the chasna because of all the traffic. There was one boy in the car, one young man, 23 years old, who told the other chevra, he says, guys, we got to pull off the 95 and go to Philly 
because it's time for Mincha. And the guy said, there's a snowstorm. We're not diving Mincha with a minion. We're going to dive Yechidus in the car so we can make the chasna. So this guy says, I've never missed a minion since my bar mitzvah. Ten years. He's 23 years old. He said, I never missed a minion. I refuse to not daven with a minion. It doesn't make a difference if we're going to miss the chasna. We've got to go to the shul in Philly. And I, I'm, I, I insist on davening with a minion. The other chevra were very upset about it. So they're in the car. They had cell phones. So they called the Rechaim Epstein. They called the Rashiva to ask him, Shaila, what do we do? Do we continue on to our friend's chasna? We'll miss the chuppah, but we might make it on time for a dance or two. Or do we go to Philly for a minion and miss the wedding? That was the Shaila. So Rechaim Epstein says, of course, you go to the chasna. Especially if there's a snowstorm, there's a mitzvah. To be uh, to be chosen and kala. That's Isaac b'mitzvah, potter and a mitzvah. You're on your way to do a mitzvah. Sameach chosen and kala, especially in a snowstorm. There's nobody else, no other chaverim are going. Everybody's stuck in snowstorms. So you got to make it your you got to make it your uh, your business to show up. So this bacher says, but Rebbe, I haven't missed a minion in ten years. And Rechaim Epstein says to him, since when is Yiddishkeit a religion of streaks? You have a nice streak going. But at a certain point, the Rabbi Shalom tells you, you have a different mitzvah to do right now. That's it. You have a chiv to your friend, you have a chiv to your friend, you got to go do that. That was his response. In a, in a similar fashion, this is what Rav Acha was doing to this, this guy. This guy's like, oh, I can't, I can't finish us. I can't get, can't get married. I can't, huh? So Rav Acha's like, enough. Enough with this streak over here of, you know, you're pushing off your life. Life ain't waiting forever. Life's not waiting forever. So he wants to take him to Rav Chista to remove the vow. Amar Rava. Rava says, Man chakim Who is so smart to pull this off? He loves Rav Acha by Rav. Baruch Hashem, he, by Rav Huna. Baruch Hashem, he pulled this off. The Gavarabu, he's a chash of a guy. Yeah, he, he t- takes a guy like him to pull this shtick. The Kasabar, he held. The same way the Chalman and Rav Nassim argue about Hafara. Haninami pligi b'sheila. They also argue about when it comes to she'ela, meaning did the vow take effect? No, the vow didn't take effect yet because he wasn't married, and he's only forbidden to benefit from people once he's married. And since the chachamim um, uh, and Rav Nassim argue about removing a vow, so Mamela Rav, Rav Acha pulled this shtick in order to uh, in order to help the seed out. Okay, we'll hold it here for today, Besh, and we'll pick up from. Rav Papi Amar, tomorrow morning at 9.30 a.m. Agitavach. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.